0: And thank you so much, and hello to everyone. Uh, it's great to be with you. As Tom said, my name is Ryan. I'm married to um, the amazing Sachi. Um, sorry, I didn't get a... Oh, there's a picture, yeah. That's an that's a older picture. Um, my kids are a bit grown now. That's Jude, and that's Tandy. They're f- five, Tandy's five, and Jude is eight, uh, seven. Um, and we, we're in Joburg at the moment. Uh, so I'm really here to come bring Cello back. Sorry, Baba Rob. <laughs> it's with me. We're going... Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, and, and Tom was throwing stones at me in a boat uh, while we were we on this canoe thing together. And so I was thinking, um, you know, there's a soccer game happening right now. I don't watch soccer. I, who's playing? Is it Liverpool? Anybody know the score? Because, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? No, we won't do that. We don't do that. But um, it's so good to be with you. And um, if you have a Bible, won't you open it up? Um, to Ephesians chapter 5 I'm gonna read from verse 25 um, in a minute but um, I'm a marriage officer and uh, I get to marry people quite often and recently I've just done three weddings in a row Um, and I love weddings it's like super nice to to do weddings anybody love weddings over here the romantics yes um, I don't know what your favorite part of a wedding is, but my, but you know, there's lots of favorite, but there's the giving and receiving of rings, there's the vows, there's the speeches afterwards at the reception. My favorite part is when the, when the bride comes down the aisle, and I get to stand next to the groom, and I always watch the groom when the bride comes down, and I've seen every reaction there is to see. I've seen the guy go, yo, 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 yo. I've seen grown men cry right grown men um I've seen I've seen guys that have this deer in the headlights she's like oh my word I can't believe how stunning she looks um but I've never seen an indifferent groom I've never seen an indifferent groom but despite every single um wedding I've done I don't think I've ever seen um a, a groom who loves his bride like Jesus loves the church and, and verse 25 in this passage, in this passage it says that he gave himself up to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church. I've never seen a groom love us, the bride, quite in, in that way. So we're going to read this passage together because while this passage is used lots at weddings, uh, because it's about husbands and wives, it's also actually about Christ and the church and it's instructive for who we are and what he's called us to be. So let's look it together from verse 25 through to the end. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. the church. Okay, so five big ideas from this passage. And the first one is that we are called out ones. We are called out ones. Have a look again at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And that word over there, the church, is the Greek word. You all know this. It's it's ecclesia. Ecclesia, and it literally means the called out ones. We are ones that have been called out. Uh, we, we, are, we are not a building necessarily. My kids sometimes say, well, are we going go to go to God? Are we going to go to church? Are we going go to the church uh, today? And my wife will say, no, we're going to, we, we are the church. The, the people are the church. We're the called out ones. We're just going to the, to the building, G1 Hub. But, but we are the church. We're been called out by the, by, the, by the love of Jesus. We've been marked by his love. He saw us. He, he's pursued us. Anybody been pursued over here? Ladies? Hallelujah. Brothers, check which hands aren't being raised. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you've been pursued, you know it's amazing. It's a fantastic feeling to be pursued. Jesus pursued us with his love. He called us out. He saw you, he saw me, and he, and he, and he went for me. And that's amazing because in life, each one of us are going to face different obstacles. We're going to hit different rejections in life. And, and, and sometimes our culture says, define yourself that's that's the kind of cultural moment that we're in right now the culture says you know you look inwardly and you define yourself but I want to say if you've been through hell and back again, like many of us have been, and you've, been, you've experienced rejections and you've experienced knocks and you've experienced betrayals and the person that you thought was going to help you actually hurt you and the people that you thought that was going to love you actually ended up hurting you, then, then when you look inside, sometimes you've got all sorts of marks. And, and, and so, so what we need is a love greater than the hate that we've experienced to redefine what has defined us. Sometimes we need an acceptance greater than the rejection that we faced in order to redefine what we need. We need a hero that's greater than the villains that have been in our lives. And and, and so what this does is this this calling out, this God choosing us before the world was created, Ephesians 1.5 says, He called you, He called me. The prophet Jeremiah, God said to him, Listen, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I appointed you to be a prophet. He's called us and, and this love that that this acceptance over our lives starts to define who we are. And we can walk around as as loved ones, as called out ones. Sometimes we can be knocked down by rejection. Words can hurt, right? Words can hurt. Sometimes words have been spoken over over us and you know, people say stuff like, Oh, you know. Uh, this person's going to be just like their father or this one's not going to amount to much and she's just like this. And, and those words can knock you down. There's this uh, Christian hip-hop artist called Lecrae and, uh, and he has this line in one of his songs. He says, I've been, I've, been, um, I've been doubted and counted out. I'm down for the count. And he's talking about how he's been knocked down by the words that people have spoken. And it's almost like he's on the floor and he's been, and he's been knocked down by these words. And somebody's counting over him one to checking to see if he's going to stand up again and and that's what it can be like for us sometimes you can be you, those things that those betrayals those those hurts can knock you down and you can be down you know maybe you're here tonight you're going I don't even know if I'm going to get up from this I don't know if I can ever trust again after this I don't know if I can if I can how to do marriage I don't know how to do friendship I don't know how to do it again because I've been doubted and counted out I've been knocked down and I've got this giant over me counting they're about to get to 10 but what this verse says this verse says you are the called out ones. Your your life is marked by acceptance. Your life is marked by the love of Jesus that has pursued you. That's what the church is. A bunch of people that have experienced something, an event has happened. I've been pursued by his love. And that love empowers me to get up and fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. Can I preach like I'm at home? Come on. (laughs) Number two. Number two. We are only called out ones. We are also holy ones. We are, we are holy ones. Um, the second word that I want you to see over there is Paul says that we've been made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Jesus gave himself up for you to make you holy. That is what you are becoming that's what you will be. You will be holy. And, and, and I love that. I love that because, you know, uh, most people, well, like most, most good people will define you by what you're like right now. A good person will look at you and go, that's, you know, if, if you're doing well now, that's what you're like. You're a person that does what this kind of, if you're not doing so well right now, they'll look at you and they'll, they'll, they'll sum you up. And based on who you are right now, they'll, they'll define you. Uh, a lot of people will define you by who you used to be. Right? you you made some mistakes in your past. You you, you will always be that person. Ah, no. Tito the player. Right? He says, they will all, you will always be that player. Okay? Um, so, but, but God doesn't define you by who you used to be. And he doesn't define you by who you are right now. He says you will be holy. And I'm going to call you a saint. I want you to step into that even now. Hallelujah. He, he, I love that he defines us by who we're becoming. He defines us not by who we used to be or even by who we are right now. But he says... I'm making you holy, and, and, I, and I wonder if you saw that it's not, I'm making myself holy. Now, I've been made holy by the, by the sacrifice. He sacrificed himself for me, and it's through his sacrifice that every wrinkle and every blemish is going to be taken away. It's fantastic. That's real good news. That's, that's the grace of God that, that, that teaches me to say no to, to sin. It's, a, it's, it's this wonderful message. I used to think that I need to make myself holy. And I used to carry that—not like in my head I knew, but in my heart I still felt like I had to perform for God. I had to prove to to other people, I had to prove to God that who I am and what I do is good. And 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 so, I think so many times we can walk around with that with that sense of self-condemnation on our shoulders. Man, I, I need to be righteous. And I wake up in the morning and I say, okay, I'm going to be righteous today. And then the taxi swerves in front of me. Then I shout at the taxi, "Oh my goodness, I'm I've, I'm unrighteous." Now it's only 8.30 and I'm already, I've already, you know. you ever been there? And then you get to work and you say a prayer, right? Make me re-righteous, forgive me again. I mean, it's only nine. And that's, you go through that cycle all the time and you just do re-righteous, mean righteous then make yourself re-righteous. It's not like that. No, you've been made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus. Hallelujah. I've been, I've been, I've been made righteous by his forgiveness. The Bible says through the obedience of the one man, through the, not through my obedience, you see that? It's not through your obedience, it's through, the obe- it's through his obedience. It's through the obedience of the one man that the many are made righteous. God made him who had no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's as if you, you're in a Liverpool t-shirt tonight. Hey, Tom? <laughs> it's as if, you know, when Salah scores the goals and, and the whole team wins, you win. Because you're in Christ. Christ is the goal scorer. When he won on the cross, you received the righteousness. God made him to be sin who had no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Say to someone next to you, I've got the righteousness of God. I know it's a charismatic thing. You don't really have to do it. It's amazing. I've been made righteous. It's wonderful. It's a challenge even to say it. I've got the righteousness of God. I'm clothed in righteous robes. I've been made holy. That's what he's done. Then, number three, with a body of Christ. With a body of Christ. Now, Jesus is described as having lots of different ways of relating to the church. Christ is described as being the chief apostle who plants the church. He's the leader who builds the church. He's the chief shepherd who pastors the church. He's the judge who holds the church accountable. He's the one who walks amongst the lampstands of the church. He's always present with the church. But over here, we're told that he's the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Verse 23, Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. As the head of the church, Christ leads the church. He guards and guides the church. He governs over the church, and the church follows him. And so Christ being the head of the church has got massive implications for us. That means that he, he is the head, and we are a part of him. The body is a part of the head. That means that, that, that I, right now, am as close to Jesus as I, as I ever will be. I, there's nothing I can do to even be closer to him. I'm part of the body. The, the, the body is part of the head. The head is part of the body. Sometimes CEOs, and, and you know, I, I've got, a, I've got a, um, a family member who used to work for SAB breweries, and he would, um, he would re- wear the T-shirts, and in, on his car has an SAB sticker. And, you know, people, sometimes they have clothing t- uh, companies, and they wear the clothing from the companies. But, but, but nobody, no CEO identifies like this with the organization and says, I'm, this is my body. This is my body. When Paul persecuted the church, you remember, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Well, not why are you persecuting an organization that I'm loosely affiliated with and I attend once a week uh, sometimes and, uh, and you know I, I care about mildly. No, 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 why are you persecuting me? It's my body. And Christ is, Christ is so, he's so connected to the church, he calls it his body. That, that's so important for, 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 for busy people to know because when you invest in the, in the church, you're investing in, the, in an organization that's got a very unique relationship with Christ. It's very important to Christ. Christ cares about the church in a unique way. There's loads of organizations over the, out there in the world that, that are important. The government is important. But Christ doesn't say, the government is, is what I'm the CEO of. He says, I'm the head of the church. He says, the church is my bride. I'm a one-man woman, and the church is that woman. I care about the church in a very exclusive way. And so, and so you know, the, the medical sector is important. The business sector is important. The NGOs are important. Parachurch are important. But Christ says, I'm only the head of the church. And, and, and so when we, when we give of ourselves, of our energy, of our effort to the church, we're doing something that, that's so significant, it's important for us to know as busy people, when we give of our time, when we give of our resources, and when we give of our, of our heart and our service to the church, we're giving to the, to the organization that Christ says, I'm the, I'm the head of this one. This is the one that I care about. This is the one that's important to me. And, and you know, for many of us, when, what this also means is that we might, we're called to follow him. We're called to follow Jesus as the head. He's the, the, if he's the head, that means we go where he goes. There's other verse that says he's the cornerstone. And, and sometimes we can have different heads in our lives. We can have different cornerstones in our lives. We can follow different things. We can build on different things. Those who are called out are called to build on, on the one cornerstone, Jesus Christ. I used to build on the cornerstone of relationships and that Gave me a sense of fulfillment, and then if the relationship failed, and I've jumped over to career because uh, it was, you know, in my control, and I could control the career thing. I would build on some people build on career and success, and it makes them give them a sense of, of 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 I'm worthy, I'm doing something with my life. Christ says, listen, when you when you get called out, I want you to build on a new foundation. I want you to build on me, Jesus. Follow me. I'm the head. Build on the chief cornerstone. And let that cornerstone become precious to you. That's how Isaiah puts it. He says, this is a precious cornerstone. I wonder if he's precious to you. Is he, Jesus becomes precious when you realize, man, he sacrificed his life for you. He went to the cross and he died for you. He died in your place, in my place for my sins. And, uh, and, and perhaps you're here tonight, you have not yet put your faith in him. You can do so even tonight and make him that precious cornerstone that you build your life on. But we are called to follow the head, Jesus Christ, and to build on him. And then fourthly, we're a people on a mission. We're a people on a mission. This is another implication of being the body of Christ because every body, every physical body has got a mission, right? You, you do stuff with your body. You do the sound or you pick up things with your body or you defend with your body. You pack things away. Uh, you know, the body's got a mission, and it's the same with the body of Christ. We've got a mission. We're called to do stuff. The body is called to run and jump and, and do things. And that's that's true of the church, the body of Christ. We've got a mission. And it's a powerful body. It's not just a weak body. It's not just like a lame body. No, no, it's a strong body. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. That's power right there. This is The, the church is a powerful body. We, we might... We might be meeting over here tonight. This, this is so exciting. This, the, the infancy of this moment is so exciting. What God is going to do through this church is powerful because he said, I will, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The mission will not be thwarted and stopped. Nothing will be able to stop. What Christ is gonna do in Matthew, he says, you are the salt of the earth. The church is the salt of the earth. In those days, they used to have salt and rub it into the meat, And uh, they didn't have refrigeration back then. So they would rub the salt in the meat. And the salt would keep the meat from going rotten. And Jesus says, that's what you are. You're salt in the society. You keep things from going rotten. You keep things from going bad. But if the salt loses its saltiness, he says, don't forget. Don't forget, you're a body. You've got a mission. Don't forget, you're called to be salt. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything. That's our marching orders. Be salt. Okay, and then he says, be light also. You're the light of the world. The church brings light into darkness. If we switched off all the lights in here, it would go dark, dark. But if somebody lit a light, that light would extinguish the darkness. Light is stronger than darkness. Darkness doesn't extinguish light, hallelujah. Light extinguishes darkness. It's a strong body. You're called to do that. We are called to be that. Neither do people light the lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house there's two things that i think sometimes as the church we must guard ourselves from is isolation and assimilation on the one hand we can isolate ourselves from the world and and we can we can cease to we can put our our lights under a bowl we can hide away from the church and sometimes we can do that sometimes i find it hard to to make non-christian friends and maybe to share about my faith, be open about my faith. And, you know, I just want to, I can be tempted to isolate myself. Sometimes I don't want to engage with issues that are happening in the world. So there are a whole bunch of issues all all over around this. There's race issues, there's justice issues, there's gender issues. And I can, God, I don't want to engage with this issue. I want to just isolate myself. He says, Jesus is saying, no, you're salt. Salt has to get rubbed in. You're the light. You have to be in the darkness. You have to engage with these things. And so for some of us, we're going to have to go, man, I need to, I need to have those, Christ, those non-Christian friends. I'm going to need to engage in those conversations and be salt in the midst of those conversations. And then for others of us, he says, don't, don't assimilate. Don't, 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 don't become like the culture. You know, don't, 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 don't mirror the culture. This one over here is the bomb shelter church. We throw bombs. We hide away from the culture. Your culture is bad, but we hide away. And we're just, just throwing bombs at the culture. The other one over here wants to mirror the culture. And just become like the culture. But but he says, no, no, I don't want you to assimilate and become like the culture. Salt preserves things, light lights up things, change the culture. So don't, don't, don't assimilate, don't isolate. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. That's what you are. New creation. New creation people Bringing in a new order, new way of, of thinking about about life, of thinking about sex, of thinking about dating, of thinking about uh, race, of thinking about justice. We're bringing in this new order. The kingdom has come. And, and this newness gets expressed right now through the local church. We get to show the city what the city could be like if Jesus were Lord. We're a city within a city. That's what you're doing. You're showing the rest of uh, Durban what Durban could be like if Jesus was reigning. This new order has broken in and it's now being expressed even right now through you, through the local church. We do that by not isolating ourselves and by not assimilating. And then lastly, we're called to be radiant ones, radiant ones. I love the word radiant. I wonder what you think about when you hear the word radiant. Who's radiant to you, your boyfriend? Radiant. Radiant your Girlfriend, she's radiant. You got you, we got I got radiant kids. That, you know, sometimes we think oh, our kids is radiant. I talk about my kids all the time. I post on Facebook, look at these beautiful kids. Uh, but Jesus says that's what you are you're, you're radiant. The church is radiant, that's what the church is. And, uh, and you know, sometimes we can so easily forget because of the complexity of church and people are not always perfect. And we spoke about families not always being perfect. We can so easily forget, man, no, we're we're radiant ones. That's what he says to us. In the midst of the complexity, you know, as a family, sometimes we throw butter at each other or throw stones at somebody when he's in a boat uh, trying to just enjoy the birds. We can forget, no, no, we're radiant. But Jesus says, that's what you are. And it means that you're glorious, that's what that word means, endoxus, endoxus means glorious, it's got the word doxa right in there, glory, and wherever we read about glory in the Bible, we always read about the Spirit of God, wherever the glory of God resides, they say the Spirit of God resides, the presence of God resides. And so you have the, in the Old Testament, you have, um, you have them making a place, a meeting place for the Lord, a tabernacle, and the Spirit fills the place, and they say the glory filled the place. And then you have the, ta- the temple being made, built, and the Spirit fills the-, the temple, and the Shekinah glory of God, the weighty presence of God just fills the place. And-, and then the people disobey God, and and the Spirit leaves, the presence leaves. And then you have Jesus returning and and then he pours out the spirit on the new testament church hallelujah it's like it's like it's like the glory of God says I'm back in the building I'm back Elvis is back not Elvis the spirit of God is back in the building that's our inheritance that's ours we're, we're, we're people of the spirit we're people that have the spirit of God the glory of God resides on us and that's incredibly powerful. You know, uh, PJ was one of the pastors in this movement. He used to say um, that it's like you've got a boxing glove, but without the Spirit, you're just, you're just a boxing glove. You can, you can knock with the boxing glove, but there's no power. But when, but when the church is filled with the Spirit, the power is in the hand. The fist of God is in that boxing glove, and it's powerful. That's what we like. We're powerful when we have the Spirit of God with us. We become, we become glorious, and sometimes we, f- we can forget this. The Spirit has to testify with our own spirits that we are children of God. For me, that means that sometimes I can forget. I know it in my head, but I can forget in my, in my bones that I'm a child of God. I can just forget that. Have you ever been there where you know it in your head, but you just need the Spirit to remind you again who you are? I'm loved. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. The Spirit does that, testifies with our spirits who we are, that we're glorious ones that we're radiant ones. I want to pray tonight that the Spirit of God would just fall fresh on us. Remind us who we are in Him, called out, holy, radiant, a body on the move, making a difference in this area code of Durban. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we want to thank You So much for your presence with us. We want to thank you so much for your amazing grace towards us, Lord. Thank you that he who knew no sin became sin for us. Thank you that you call us to be holy and blameless. We're going to step into that. Even now, we're going to start to step into that. Lord, thank you so much that you've promised to pour out your presence on your people. And so just right now, where we are, Lord, we pray the prayer the church has been praying for thousands of years. We say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come and rest on us. Come and fill us again to overflowing. We love you. We love your presence. We love your glory. So just right now, come and remind us of who we are in you been made holy you're a righteous one thank you for your grace Lord I want to pray that it would hit us like a freight train again I want to pray that you'd come and plug us into the wall socket the power of God would come and rest on us right now spirit of the living God fill every thirsty soul we love you thank you that you define us Thank you that, Lord, other words have been spoken over us, but we put that aside right now. We're loved by you, called out, chosen. Thank you for your kindness and your grace towards us. And I want to pray, Lord, your blessing over this church. I want to pray, Lord, that you would strengthen. I want to pray that, uh, you, would, that, that you would reach many people through this church, Lord, that, that, that many would receive the grace of God through this church, and we pray this in your precious and wonderful name. Amen.